here. Thanks for coming today. Um, if you're listening online, we have a ton of people listening online. And if you're listening online, you need to know we have a plan for 2016 that involves getting you here. Um, we want you here. We believe there is a benefit of you sitting here with us. Um, and so, but we're glad, no matter how you're listening, that you're here today. Uh, we are in our fourth week of a series called Happy. Um, and um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've gotten anything out of it, but it makes me happy. Um, I really enjoy talking through this series. And today, um, this is probably the most practical sermon in this series. Uh, we're going to talk about money today. And um, i, I got to let you know that as a preacher, this is a really hard thing for me to talk about. Um, the, Jesus talked about it a lot. He didn't seem to have any problem talking about money because he, knew, he knows how important it is to you and me. But as a preacher, because there is so much uh, involved in preachers and money, and there's been so much conspiracy. And you know, you can just turn on a channel and see a preacher crying, and you immediately think that he is in it for the money, whether he is or not. And often that happens when a preacher stands up to you in a church as well. And so I am often shying away from money because I don't want to be the guy the first time you tune into a church that you hear about money. But that said, money is often the biggest obstacle to your happiness, and to my happiness. So I would just be completely ignoring one of the most important things when it comes to your happiness, and that is money. Now, not that money makes you happy, but money and the messed up money can really make you unhappy, and you know that. And so I want to talk about that today, and some, some things that I have uncovered in my own personal life, but also um, just with a couple of really smart people um, who have led us to a way the Bible and, and Jesus talks about money that will change your life. And I don't, I don't say that lightly today. This is something that if you would choose to do it this way, no matter how much money you have or how little money you have, if you would choose to do it this way, it would change your life. That's a good way to start a sermon, isn't it? Um, this is not just an ethereal thing. There's some real practical things. So if you're a note taker today, you might want to take some notes. If you're listening online, you might want to uh, save w this page so that you can hear this later. But um, lots of good information today that I've found and compiled, and I'm going to pray that God does what he wants to with it. And get, you get a deep breath because you'll miss it today. Now, one of the things that happens during a sermon, happens all the time, happens to me when I listen to a sermon, is that the very sermon I need, I will often hear it and think, man, I need, to, I need to send that to my mom, or I need to send that to my brother, or boy, they really need to hear this, and I miss it myself. Or sometimes, even worse than that, I'll get mad, and I'll think, man, that preacher's talking about money again. or that. And as soon as I do that, I need to realize that it could be something inside me knows this is exactly what I need to hear. So I'm not scared of you today. If you get mad at me, it's between you and God today. There's some things I'm going to say today that maybe you've never heard a preacher say. Um, some things that maybe you need to hear today about your own finances, about your own heart, um, that, is, that will lead you um, to what you've been looking for. So you need to get your heart right. I do too um, before we start this today. So I'm going to give you 30, 45 seconds um, of quiet time just to get right with God, just to get your life quiet. And then we'll jump right in today. God, everyone in this room has a pursuit of 
peace, happiness, joy. It just seems to be so elusive to a lot of us. It comes and goes, and we don't know why, and it, we're left grasping for it as it goes away. And we just, we want to invite it into our lives to stay. Listen to this sermon today, or people in this room and people online, all in different places in their faith and in their life. Different sized bank accounts, different levels of faith, different levels of frustration with you and church and spirituality. What's amazing to me is that somehow you can speak to all of those situations and all of those hearts at the same time. Would you soften each and every one of the hearts that are listening to this, including the one speaking, so that we can be malleable, we can, we can think about the way we deal with our life and the things that you've given us. Would you lead us and would you pause our lives for this moment so that we can hear and apply the way you want us to do life. In your son's name, amen. You know, when I was a kid, um, the older I get, this changes in me, but when I was a kid, I was so impressed with rich people. Not just rich people because of their stuff and the cool things they have. Obviously, that's what gets your attention. But the demeanor of rich people. You know what I mean? R- rich people who, who just seem to take over a room. Um, you know what I'm talking about. I know you do. Just that guy who just seems to be, when, the, when he comes in the room, everything changes a little bit. And I was so impressed with that when I was a kid. And I, I remember, growing up, I always wanted to be a preacher. But in the back of my mind, if we're honest, I wanted to be rich. Not just for the stuff, but for the for the whole thing, you know? Just wanted to be the guy that people looked at. I just wanted to be the one that everybody in the room knew had more than everyone else. And the older I get, the the more that's starting to go away. Not because I'm a good person, not because I'm spiritually grounded and somehow I'm closer to the Father than I was then. That's not what it is. I think it's that I've tried to be rich. And every now and then, I feel rich. You know what I mean? Every now and then I walk into an environment or I drive my car into a parking lot where it's the nicest car. doesn't happen very often anymore with my car. But when I bought it, I would drive into a parking lot and think, man, mine's the nicest one here. And it just didn't feel like I thought it would. Or every now and then I'll go buy that thing. And I'll, I'll notice, this happened to me when I bought my big screen TV. I went into Sam's and I bought it. And I bought it with my bank account. I didn't charge it. And I kind of made a parade of it. I wanted everybody in the room to know. Everybody in Sam's knows John's getting his TV today. And I watched the people as I went by, the men mostly, who go, Lucky, I wish I was him. Honey, see him? And and I thought it would feel better, you know? I thought it would be better. So the older I get and the more disappointed I get in having stuff, the, more I am le- I, I, the less impressed I am with rich people and the more I am impressed with generous people. And I know that sounds like a preacher, but I'm serious. The more I am moved and impressed by people who could be rich but chose to be generous instead. So today when I see the water project coming through our doors again, I know that you and I have the opportunity to be something better than rich. I know that sounds silly, and I'm going to say it a lot more during this sermon, and maybe you'll feel a little different about it at the end. But you have something today. You have the opportunity to be something today that is better than rich. And it is generous. And when you can use the things that you've been given 
to say, you're not in charge of me, I'm in charge of you, and you do something good with whatever amount of money you can give or be generous with. You have the opportunity to be something better than rich. It is sitting in front of you right here today. And it's part of what makes you happy. This series called What Makes You Happy, um, or this happy, um, has, has been something that um, I've been trying to plan for a long time. And I don't know how it's impacted you, but it has been really good for me to study this. And I got more on the cutting room floor than I have said. And I've said a lot. Um, so there is a, I've learned a lot through this series. And I have seen over and over and over how society, and especially how companies, market to your happiness. Um, and I've showed you this over the last few weeks. I want to show you again. Because I want you to recognize this when you see this. Especially at Christmas. And at Christmas, they, they take it up a notch. All year long, it's always, if you would just drink this, you would be happier. See these happy people standing around a campfire drinking this long neck thing? See how happy they are? Yeah, yeah. And your brain goes, yeah, if I drink that thing and I go and pay that for a 12-pack, I'll also be that happy. And that's what your brain does. And they know that. So they spend millions, yes, millions of dollars on the Super Bowl to make you think that their product will make you happy. And you buy it. And then we come to Christmas, and they have to ramp it up, right? So they know what will get you. If the making you happy won't get you, you know what's even better? Don't you want your kids to be happy? This toy will make your kids happy. What kind of parent wouldn't want their kids to be happy? So you buy this scooter for $199.99, and you be the parent that you didn't have. And you go, yes, I want my kids to be happy. And so you bring out the MasterCard and you do it again. Because you believe, or at least society believes, that things make you happy. But in the heart of it, you know better. In the deepest part of who you are, you know that things don't make you happy. In fact, what we've been saying around here, and I hope you remember this from this series, I'll say it and, and I'll quiz those of you who have been here. What makes you happy? Thank you. You got it. Four weeks and you finally got it. What makes you happy? No thing. No thing makes you happy. You can say that and you can laugh while you're here. But in this Christmas, if you can remember that, that when it comes to happy, no thing makes you happy. It is people. It is the humans that you surround yourself that make you happy. I can prove it to you. At the end of your life, when you know it's your last breath is coming soon, within an hour, the doctor says there's nothing else we can do, you will not, you will not call the shoe collection in to have one last conversation with it. You will not call the Camaro to your side and say, please, let's, let's have a heart-to-heart -heart before I die. You will say, I need to talk to my mom and make it right. I need my brother by my side. It's the people around you that make you happy we also learned during this series that happiness is a result it's an outcome it does not happen today you don't get it real happiness you don't get in the moment happiness isn't immediate the kind you need isn't immediate in fact jesus said it this way to a bunch of farmers he said you you, you sow you reap what you sow so you sow or you if you're a farmer you plant things and then it, you wait right you never met a farmer who's anxious. Most farmers are patient because they know they've got to plant something and then wait. Happiness, real happiness, comes from planting and waiting. 
So if you found yourself today unhappy, it's not because something bad happened today. It's not because something bad happened yesterday. It's because you started planting something a long time ago that just now you're starting to harvest. So if that's true, and I believe it is fully true, and those of us who are over the years of at least 30 or 40 know this to be true because you have lived it, then what if right now you could plant happiness to one day harvest in your life? Those of you who are young, who are just trying to figure out life and what you're going to do, man, this is a great time to plant it. Because a lot of us in this room have planted things over and over and again, and now our soil is just full of junk. <laughs> it's time to scoop it all out and start over. And some of you have got this black, rich soil, you've never planted anything, and you're accidentally planting things that are going to end up in unhappiness. They're going to grow things that you never intended. The kind of happiness that Jesus talks about, the real kind of happiness, is something you plant and it grows. And over time, you, one day you just wake up and somebody says, you just seem so happy. And you go, yeah, when did that happen? But what is it? Because you don't have much money. Yeah, well, definitely not about money. huh? Well, yeah, but you don't, you don't seem to you know, have a great job necessarily, and circumstances don't always go your way. In fact, lots of bad things have happened to you. So what is this happiness thing? And that's something I planted a long time ago. See, now, now here's the thing about money. And this is why I want to end this series talking about money. As much as I hate to talk about money usually, I, will, I can't wait to talk about it today because I know you. And when I say you, I mean you sitting in that row. I know many of you. I've been here nine years, and I know your struggles with money. I know that when you come into this church and I want to talk about something else, all you can think about are this pile of bills that are coming due tomorrow or that have been due for the last nine months. Maybe it's shutting off the electricity tomorrow. I know that so many of you are in so much debt that you don't even want to talk about giving. You don't even want me to say the words water project because you're in so much debt it feels stupid for you to give to something when you're paying 20% interest over here. I know that I can't sometimes break through to you spiritually because money is so distracting in this room. So today, I'm not nervous. I'm excited because I think I have the answer. And you've got to have your mind open because here's, what, here's the thing about happiness. We all know, and we say this all the time. I, I kind of teased this last week if you were here. Preachers say this all the time, and we all nod our heads and pretend to agree that, happy, that money doesn't make you happy. And we all go, yes, amen, amen. But in the deepest part of you somewhere, you know that there is a connection between money and happy. You know it. And you can disagree with me for just a second, and that's okay. But if you just hold on for a second, there is a connection between happiness and money. And Jesus is very clear about it, and I want to talk about it today. Now, we assume that this connection is related to how much we have in our account. We assume that this connection between happiness and, and money is if I just had a little more, then I would be happy. And I, I want you to just ask yourself, just sit here right now, you can pretend you're not doing this if you want, but how much money, put a dollar figure on it, how much money would it take right now to make you happy? How much money would it take right now for you to be at peace with your money? Just make a dollar figure up. Now here's what I know. I know because I've done this myself and I know because I've seen it in lots of people. Whatever that number is when you get it, it won't be enough. It won't be enough. You'll say, oh, I was wrong. It takes more than that apparently. Maybe just an extra hundred bucks. 
You get the 100 bucks? No. Because the truth is, there is a connection between money and happiness, but it does not include the word more. It's not about having more money. And it never was about having more money. And that is bad news in one way because you can work really hard and get a bunch of money and never get to happy financially. That's bad news in that way. But it's really good news for those of us who don't want to spend our life pursuing money. It's really good news for those of us who just don't have much of a future when it comes to a big bank account. You can still be happy financially and not have more than you have in your pocket today. So if with that open mind, I'm going to ask you this. If, if there's a dollar figure, how important is it to you? How important is it to you to reach that dollar figure? See, Jesus knows how important it is. In fact, we're going to read about it in a minute, and you're going to get mad at me, some of you. But it'll be Jesus' words, not mine. And you can get mad at him. He's used to that. And, and, and we'll, we'll deal with that together. But here's the thing. Jesus is very clear, and I believe this to be 100% true. Even if you're not sure you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you should listen to this guy, because here's, here's throughout history what's happened to Christian people, people who have followed Jesus. Not people who have just called themselves Christian, but people who have decided to follow Jesus. Are, are, they do life better, and they're better at life. <laughs> Their life is better, and they're better at life when they follow the way Jesus intends life to be. And when it comes to money, this is entirely true about Jesus. He said some of the most profound things about money. And one of the things he begins to say, and I want you to have your mind open about this today, is that it's not how much money you have in your life that makes you happy, but it's how you manage what you have that will determine how happy you will be with your money. And I know that doesn't sound real profound, but it does when Jesus starts to break it down. So I want you to hear it today. And Jesus is talking to a group of people Luke chapter 16, that have no money. And when I say no money, I mean like barely have enough to eat. They're, 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 they're like hand to mouth literally when it comes to their food. We talk about being paycheck to paycheck. That would be a wonderful thing for most of these people. To get a paycheck and then counting on another paycheck coming up. They're not paycheck to paycheck. They are, I am hungry and there's something to eat. I'm eating it right now and that's all I have. And Jesus t- wants to talk to them about rich he wants to talk to them about money, and he says this. And some of you have heard this before, but I want you to listen a little different today. He says this, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, the word money here is a loose translation of what Jesus actually said. It's translated money, but I don't really like that translation. It's a, it's a word... Um, and it's got a lot of derivatives. It's mammon um, is really the Greek word. But what Jesus, the, what Jesus is saying here is stuff. It's not just money. It's your stuff. And it's not just the, the, the stuff that you have bought in the past or the stuff you have now. It's the money that you'll use to buy the stuff you've got. So it's all the things that you own. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. And now what we have done in the past, what I've done as before I dug into this piece of scripture, is gone, well, good that's good, because I don't serve money. I don't love money. I'm not, money's not my master. And Jesus goes, now, nah, 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 wait a minute. I knew you'd say that. I'm not talking about serving like bowing down. I'm saying, you see the word he uses? Devoted. How, how much time do you spend every week in the pursuit of money? A lot of us, 40 hours, 50 hours, 75 hours. Some of you 15. (laughs) 
How much, how much time do you spend? How much energy do you spend? How much time do you spend talking about, arguing about, frustrated with? How much energy do you put? How many times have you done this in your life? How many times have you bought something and then regretted it? I, I mean, isn't that a normal human experience? For you to do something ridiculous and stupid in the moment because you thought it would lead to something and you get home and go, how long am I paying 19.4% on this car? You've done it. And in that moment, you were devoted to your stuff. In that moment, what Jesus would say is, your stuff owned you. Now what we've found out in this series about happy is that people who are happy are at peace. They're at peace with God, they're at peace with themselves, and they're at peace with other people. And you cannot be at peace if you are enslaved to something. And what Jesus says is, if you let stuff control you, you're a slave to it. And as long as you're a slave, you can't be free. Some of you know exactly what I mean by that. Some of you are in so much debt that every time the credit card bill comes, you go, I'm, you might as well put chains on me. I can't go on vacation. I can't, I can't do anything good. If something happens and there's an emergency in my house, I have no options. I am trapped financially. And some of you aren't so bad off with debt, but you're so, so caught up in your lifestyle that if you quit your job this week, you'd have to give up all the things you're used to. And you're trapped. Jesus knows what this feels like. And he knows that the chief competitor in your life. Now, if you, woke, if you fell asleep for a minute, wake up here for a minute, because this is what Jesus teaches. This is what the Bible teaches, and you may have never heard this before. That the chief competitor for your heart, when God, what God wants most from you is not your obedience, it's not your check in the, in, in, in the offering plate. I promise, that is not what God wants most from you. What he wants most from you is your heart. He wants you to be so in love with him that you want to do what he wants you to do. Just like your kids. He wants you to love you to love him like you want your kids to love you. Free will, total choice, absolute surrender, and love for you. That's what God wants most out of your life. And he knows this, and Jesus was very clear about it, that the chief competitor to your heart is your stuff. That when it comes to God and you giving God your heart, the biggest competition is your stuff. And he says, that desire that you have for things, that desire you have is like devotion. That's what God, it's what God wants. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you woke up? I use big, te- big, te- uh, big screen TV as an illustration a lot, don't you? I have like a little problem with big screen TVs, I think. Um, but I'll use something different this time. Let's say you want a new set of golf clubs. I have a problem with those too. Say so you want a new set of golf clubs, and you wake up, and Matt, you know this. Terry, you've been there. You're just sure that when, when you go out, and you, this is a golfer's thing, so I'll, just hang with me for a second. But you go out, and you play with a foursome, and you see a guy who you know you're better than. You know that he closed his eyes and swung and made perfect contact with the ball. And then somebody says, you know that if your clubs are older than 40 year, four, four years old, then you're, um, you're playing with old technology, right? And you start thinking, you start looking down at your clubs and, just thinking how much better you would be if you had new clubs. And at six years old, you're behind. And they'll tell you that because it makes you happy if you buy some new ones, right? And so you go home and you just, and you, you don't have to want golf clubs to know this feeling. 
You just want it. And the want goes from want to like, hurts. Like, why can't I? And doggone it, I work hard and I should. And you get this pain that I want that. In fact, this happens at Lowe's, and I've seen you at Lowe's. I've met you, I've seen you walking down the aisle, and I'm doing the same thing you are. We're both doing this. You walk down at Lowe's and you go, huh, I've never seen one of those before. I need it. And immediately, within 30 seconds, you go from I didn't know that thing existed to I can't live without it. You know what that is? It's that thing Jesus is talking about. It's devotion. Desire equals devotion. And you know what he wants from you? This is going to sound really stupid if you're not a Jesus person. And I totally understand that. But you knew you were coming to church. You're going to hear something that sounded stupid. So here's what I'm going to tell you. That's the way God wants you to think about him. He wants you to wake up in the morning and go, oh, I just want to be where God is. If I could just do what God loves, if I could just love what God loves, if I, and I know that sounds silly comparing God to golf clubs, but I'm telling you, if you can get to that point in your life, my mom is on a, on a sabbatical right now, six-week sabbatical from work. Can you imagine that? She gets six weeks every seven years to go and get rejuvenized spiritually. Now, rejuvenized spiritually for a preacher would mean to me, don't go to church. <laughs> Just get away. My mom is more spiritually connected to everything right now in this six weeks because what she wants most in her life, and I'm not just bragging on my mom, I want to be this. What she wants most in her life right now is God. And it just, the more she knows him, the more she wants him. And there's such a peace. There is such a happy in that. To wake up and not go, Boy, my friends have nice houses, and I'm living in a cabin in the woods. She doesn't, I don't know that she's ever done that, not publicly. She's not had that struggle because she has this pursuit. Jesus said, if you want happy, if you want pure happy, don't swap your desire for God for your desire for stuff that will never make you happy. Stepped on a couple toes, present company included. See, there's three things that come, there's probably more than this, but three things I could think of that come when you allow money to be your boss. And when I say money, I mean stuff. When you allow that feeling that you have to have this thing, that the neighbor's just got a new snowblower and yours is a piece of junk now and now you've got to get it. I, I can't believe that I, ah, I forgot today. I was going to bring my iPhones. I have five iPhones. Five. Now, I only have one I use. Because they keep coming out with a new one. And as soon as I get one, I think this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. And it lasts about three days until I get word that they're coming out with a new one. And then this thing is a piece of junk. And I start making up things. The battery's dying faster. And I start making up excuses. Well, I make phone calls all day long. I got, it's the center of my business. I got, and I start making up things. Excuses. I am trapped. I am trapped by a want when it comes to that. And now I have a history to, sh to prove it, laying in my drawer. There are three things that come when you allow stuff to be your boss. Now, what's going to happen when you read this is some of you are going to go, not me, pay attention. Because I believe that everyone in this room, present company included, fall into all three of these categories at some point. And it leads us to unhappiness. Some of you are going to go, well, that's not me. And some of you are going to go, Wow, that's me. 
Those are the ones I love to work with the most. But what I know about these three things is you can't see any of them in the mirror. None of you are greedy. Nah, it's always somebody else. Right? Guess what? And this is the problem with your money happiness. The first thing that comes with allowing stuff to be your boss is discontentment. You know what discontentment is? It's becoming aware that there's something you don't have. It's walking down the aisle at Lowe's and going, wow, I didn't know that existed. I have to have it. This is discontentment. The worst kind of discontentment is envy. It's where you have something. And because you have it and I don't, not only do I hate you, but I want what you have. And I want to take it. Now, this is one of the earliest commandments from God. One of the very first things he says to the people he loves is, do not envy. Why? Because somehow that makes God offended? No. It's because it keeps you from what God intended for you to have. Peace. Whatever it is right now that you have in your life, what if you could just be good with it? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how much time you would have if you didn't make up more reasons to need a new car? If you didn't have to spend all your time trying to justify a new couch, the old one still has four legs. But the problem is discontentment. Always, listen to me, discontentment always leads to anxiety. Anxiety undermines your peace, and peace is the way to happiness. Can you draw that connection? Can I get a, I don't know, fog a mirror? Somebody say, hey, amen. Can you feel this today? Because if you can feel this, this is different at Christmas. Do you understand this? We are about ready to spend more money than the, the gross common, or the, than the, the, uh, pro, the entire financial system of some countries we are going to spend in America in 20 days at Christmas. Because people want something they don't have. And it won't make them any happier. The second thing that comes is greed. And this is the, wor- this is the hardest thing to see in the mirror. I, I, ver- I know very few people. I, in fact, I can never remember somebody coming to me and say, John, I have a sin problem. Really? What sin? I'm a, I'm a greedy person. I've never heard somebody say, I've recognized that I'm a greedy person. Because greed always is somebody else. You can always point to it. You can always name it. But you can never see it in yourself. I think, I think that this is one of the biggest tools of the enemy in your life. Greed. Here's what, here's what Jesus says greed is. Now be careful because what you think greed is and what Jesus says greed is are two different things. Here's what Jesus says greed is. Greed is the assumption that everything that is in my hands is for my consumption. That everything that it, I have earned, all the money that I've got, all the stuff that I have, everything I have... the is for me to use how I see fit. Now, here's the interesting thing. Greedy people can give a lot of money. Did you know that? Greedy people can give money. Here's the way they give it. So I've got $1,000 that belongs to me, and I'm going to give it to somebody. Who's going to dance for it? How many hoops will you jump through? All right, church, I'm going to give you my $1,000, but you better replace those pews. Right? 
Because it's not God's money. It's my money that I'm giving. That's a greedy giver. And you know what Jesus said? I don't want your money. Keep it. Now, I don't like to preach the sermon, I don't want your money. But I can tell you this, I don't want greed money. I don't want money that comes with strings attached because that is money that aren't your strings. Those strings aren't yours. Those were God's from the beginning. And Jesus says greed comes when you get a bunch of stuff and you're under the assumption that it's all yours to do with as you see fit. Jesus says if you can come to a point in your life where you see that stuff is things God has placed in your hands and in your control and you are, you're going to be responsible for those things, then you do different things with them. You don't say things like, oh yeah, I'm not giving that guy 10 bucks because he's going to go buy booze. You know what? That's between him and God. That's you giving as a greedy person. That's my 10 bucks. I worked hard for my 10 bucks. I don't like to get political, it gets me in trouble, and I'm not very good at politics, but I can tell you this, you better be very careful how you talk as a Christian about people who are on the welfare system. Be very, very careful, Christians. Because the truth is, the money that you're giving wasn't ever yours to begin with. And your, your job is to hold your stuff so loosely that you know it was never yours anyway. Now, I'm going to give you some practical ways to talk about that in a minute. Man, I got real close to get, getting political there. I hate that. Debt. Debt is the third thing that I can think of that happens when, boss comes, when, when, when your stuff becomes your boss. There is, this is, I think, the worst epidemic. This is worse than cancer when it comes to happiness. Debt in our society is one of the worst epidemics in the history of America. I, I started pulling statistics, and they sound stupid. I couldn't even tell you the statistics because you'd say, oh, the preacher's making up numbers again. You wouldn't believe how much debt each and every one of us has in this place. We are under the assumption not only are the things that are in our hands ours, but we tend to believe that there is this cloud of debt, of, of credit that we have that also belongs to us. So not only do we do whatever we want with what we've been given, then once we're not, we don't have any more of that left, we just pretend we have more until finally people start telling, we're not even going to pretend anymore. You don't even have any pretend money. This is the way I've been talking to Reese about debt recently. Dad, what's debt? Debt is pretending you have money. This is what he said to me. You know what he said to me? Well, that's stupid. Grown-ups do that. Kids pretend they have money. It's like Monopoly. It's yellow. It's pink. It's green. Jesus said, if you're going to pretend you have money, don't look for happiness in it. And I'm telling you right now, some of you, you all have debt. I have debt. And as long as we have debt, we will be slaves to it. If you have it today, stop. No more. This debt comes with making stuff your boss. Jesus says this. I'm going to read it again. No one, no one can serve two masters. Now, those of you who are just kicking the tires on the God thing, maybe you're not real interested in serving God. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to convince you of that today. It's between you and God. But I can tell you that serving money, 
you know that doesn't work. Right? It just doesn't work. It's broken. You're going to end up sad, lonely, in a ditch with no credit card offers anymore. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted. You will desire the one and despise the other. What happens with stuff, and this just happens to us, it is human nature, and Jesus knows that when I start to want something so bad that it's all I think about, God doesn't matter at all to me anymore. I don't even have an inkling. Of course, until that thing goes away and then things get really bad, then I find myself in an orange pew at New Life. And I want God again. And He's there, waiting again. For you to realize that your happiness cannot be found this way. You cannot serve both God and money. So here's the connect the dots, okay? All of those things today, those three things I mentioned that come from it. Here's what happens when you decide that there is a connection between happy and money, okay? Let's just admit it. There is a connection between being happy financially and and my money. There is a connection. But it's not about having more. It's about managing it the way God intended for you to manage your stuff. And here is it. This is it right here. I I mean, this three things right here. You can stop listening to my sermons. Please don't do that. But you can. When it comes to money, this is what God wants you to do with your life. Find something to write this on. Prick yourself and write it in blood somewhere. Find something because this is God's answer to peace financially in your life. These three things, okay? This has not come from me. This is straight from God. The first one is this. Give. Give always results in joy. Always. Now, I'm not talking about saving a little bit of money and then just don't drink a Diet Pepsi this week and give that 98 cents to the water fund. That's great, and that's giving, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about giving every time you get money. Any money. Now, Some of you say, yeah, what about your tax money? Because that's 10%. No, no, no. Every time you get money, if you could figure out a way to give. Now, what if you could give like this? Now, many of us give this like this, and this is where I'm going to step on toes. Many of us give just like this. They come to church, and the preacher's talking about money today. Honey, give give him a $20 bill today. You feel a little bit better. Preacher was talking about money, and you gave him a $20 bill. Every time I talk about money, the offering goes up for a little while, and then it goes back down. Because this is the way we give. This is the way Americans give. Not just new life, this is the way Americans give. They give when they feel guilty. Or they give when they feel their heart tug. So somebody will come in, a missionary will come in. We used to do this in churches. I don't like this. And we used to notice we don't do it here much anymore. Missionaries come in, make everybody feel bad for the way they live their life, and then everybody gives a little bit of money, and then it's just like this weird feeling that we're going to keep living how we live, and good luck over there, and you go away. And we just give based on that. And instead of saying, I'm going to make this a lifestyle, Instead of saying, hey, I'm giving anyway. God, where do you want it to go? (laughs) So what Jesus says is, and pay attention, I'm almost done, okay? I know it's getting old, but listen to me. If you can look at your money, if you can look at your money when it comes to giving and not say, well, I feel guilty today, I'm going to give it. If you can look at it and say, I'm giving no matter what, you are taking charge. You become the boss of your money again. Instead of your money being the boss of you, you say, you thought you were the boss of me. Watch this. I'm going to give you away. I'll just be real honest with you. Personal testimony time. Personal testimony. My wife and I bought into this five years ago. Not because we 
heard a sermon and thought it was time because we tried everything else and there was no peace anywhere else. So we bought into this. Every time you get paid. Yeah, but John, what about the other bill? Every time you get paid. Yeah, but we got vacation. Every time you get paid, you give. Give to what? Something. The most important thing in your life is that that money doesn't end up in your bank account. Do you understand this? Well, yeah, but does it go to the church? We believe here that 10% of your money comes to the church so we can do what God wants us to do in your life. But even if you're not there yet, get it out of your bank account. Put that 10% somewhere else because until you do, you, it is your boss. That is you saying, I'm your boss money. Watch this. Yeah, but you got bills to pay. Yeah, bills aren't my boss either. Give. Now, if you did that, if I did that, I'm doing it. I, I made the commitment five years ago. It took two years to get there. When I get paid, Risha and I don't even talk about it. The money goes. And, we, and if, if it doesn't, if she forgets, we get real busy on Sunday morning sometimes and she'll forget. Andy and Brenda can tell you, I chased them down, didn't I, a couple weeks ago. Chased them down to give them my check. Because I'm a good person? Nope. Because I'm somehow spiritually connected to God? Nope. Because I know I don't want that money in my bank account. Because as soon as it gets in my bank account and I decide I got an extra money in my bank account, I can go out to eat again, now the money is my boss. And I want to show it who's boss because it has led to my peace. This is why I'm so passionate about this. Saving, number two. So you give and you save. I know, a penny saved is a penny earned. You sound like your grandpa up here. But if you want peace, saving always results in peace of mind. Having money in the bank. I've never had money in the bank in my life until the last three years. I have the savings account. I still have a little debt. Well, John, that's silly. You've got savings and you've got debt. Yes, because it's, it's a spiritual principle. The debt's going away. I'm getting rid of it. But I am giving and I am saving no matter what. Well, then, John, what if your bills don't? You know what? Then they don't get paid. Because I need financial peace in my life. And I have found that doing it God's way gets me there. And then finally, you give, we give 10% goes in our bank, or goes in our give, 10% goes in our savings. Sometimes more than that. Usually less, <laughs> right now, to be honest. But sometimes more, and we try to balance that out. We never miss the give, because I'm afraid of money being my boss again. Saving 10%, and then the rest, you live. So it's pretty easy. 10, give. 10, save. The rest, live. What if you taught your kids this? Maybe they wouldn't end up where you are. What if Risha and I got together and we said, what if we had jars? Save, give, live. My daughter gets birthday money. Well, John, that's birthday money. Yep. And it, her lesson is more important than the extra 10% of that birthday money. I can promise you that. Because when she gets old enough, I want her to know, you live here and you save and give here, and that's how you take charge of your money. Because the thing I don't want for my daughter is to remember how her dad let her spend her birthday money, but be in the hell that comes with a lack of financial peace in her life. So, band, you guys can come up. Somebody's going to have to stop me. I need a big hook up here today. And the reason I'm so passionate about this, two reasons today, I wanted to tell you this. One is because I have lived it. 
I have lived this, and it, it is not just a spiritual thing. This is a matter of absolute truth in our life. This is the way to beat financial boundaries. And the second reason is this, because I love you. And I've been here nine years, and when I say you, I mean you personally. I know most of you personally. And those of you that are online and I haven't met you yet, I'm going to love you. And I can tell you this, we can't make any progress with the spiritual thing. We can't make any progress with this getting closer to God thing until we get this big, awful thing out of your face. The way we deal with money in our culture is so bad that it blocks any kind of spiritual involvement that we're trying to have with God. We need to get rid of it. This is the path. Now, if you start giving and saving and going through God's three steps to to financial peace today, is this going to be by next Monday you have peace? No, because remember, you plant it now. And then you sow. And eventually, you'll find yourself at peace the way God intends. Today, some of you are almost ready to have this conversation with your spouse. Like, you almost are convinced right now. And something's keeping you from it. I don't know that because I'm somehow spiritually connected with God and he told me that. I know that because I've been there. I've sat in the pews. We decided this five years ago, but I heard it and almost decided eight years ago. And I kept thinking, yeah, but, uh, yeah, if I can just get to here, then I'll start that. And yeah, but if I have that conversation with Risha, then that means then we're going to have to change this thing. And that means that, oh, well, I'll just wait a little bit. The longer you wait, the more you inadvertently plant things you never intended to grow. So don't trade your peace for something that can never bring you peace, whether it's stuff, whether it's money, whatever it is. Money doesn't contribute to your happiness. But it does contribute to your happiness if you manage it God's way. Today's the day. It's just between you and God, and I'm done with that sermon. You won't hear me preach about money until the spring. But I hope you didn't hear me say today that the church needs your money. Nine years I've been here. Dean and Andy and I have sat in different rooms in this building and prayed that God would keep the doors open because the truth is, at times we didn't know how it was going to happen. And we're not far from that every, every Sunday. But I'm kind of used to it now. I don't know if the guys are. They're the ones that have to deal with it. But I'm kind of used to just this feeling of like, I don't know if we're going to make it next month. Man, it'd be great not to feel that way, but that's not the motivation for this sermon. Motivation for this sermon is you got it right in front of you. Peace. Financial peace is right in front of you. Yeah, but I don't make enough money. It's not about that. It's not about more. It's about doing with what you have what was intended to be done. It's about becoming the boss instead of letting it become the boss of you. It's your choice. You can start today. Or you can have the same Christmas most of America will have. Get really excited about the stuff you give your kids, thinking that'll change their life until you see them playing with a box. Today's the day to make a change. I'm going right back to that corner. I'll be glad to pray with you. You're going to stand and sing with us.